don't know about you, but I love the month of November. It's the one month out of the year that reinforces the importance of the notion to raise our praise. And as we gathered this morning in worship, there was a, a sense of God's presence here in the midst of us as we began to raise our praise to the Lord. Some, some of you know that sometimes praise, sometimes thanksgiving is a sacrifice. Sometimes it is a sacrifice to praise the Lord. Sometimes you feel like you get up on the right side of the bed only to find out that it may be the wrong side for that day. Or sometimes you feel like the world is out to get you. And I call those Jonah days when you feel like you've been tossed overboard and you end up in the belly of a fish and seaweed is wrapped around your head and you're thinking, how did I get here today only to recognize that that is not your final destination? That God has something amazing for you. And so Thanksgiving is an amazing uh, season because it challenges us to raise our praise. And I'm hopeful that during uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, during the stuffed turkeys and the fat men dressed in red, that you will be able to raise your praise. And you will be able to have hope in the midst of this Holy Day season. Uh, are you ready for the Word today? Amen. So take your Bible or your source for Scripture uh, and turn with me to Romans chapter 10. And we're going to look at a very familiar Scripture in verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And then we're going to look at two events. In Matthew's Gospel, in back-to-back -back chapters, Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 9. But Romans 10.17 declares, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Isn't this a great verse to marinate in today? Uh, and I have titled the message today, in Jesus' words, Who Has Ears to Hear? If you're wanting a 21st century version, we, we put that on the PowerPoint presentation, which just simply says, what are you hearing? But I like the words of Jesus, who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I really don't have... Uh, points to give you this morning, I have statements. Statements that I'm hoping will create a sentence for you that will change the trajectory of the way you hear from the Lord. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 14, and let's look at an example in Scripture of this idea, who has ears to hear. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Matthew 8, 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, 
dreadfully tormented. How many of you know today that you can be paralyzed in your mind and not just in your body? And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. I love the fact that the centurion understands the idea that all he needed to hear was a word from God. Just speak a word. Just say it. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Oh, that Jesus would say that about you and me. And even the Pentecostal Church of God, that I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because the truth is, it's not about whether you are inside or outside. It's about the idea that there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. Can I get a witness today? Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You're getting ready to speak to us. Amen. I like to preach, uh, pray short prayers, especially in November when it's Thanksgiving time. Come on, somebody. You got that turkey sitting there. Uh, it's a nice short prayer that you're, you're wanting someone to pray. But let's talk about the centurion. He comes to Jesus. And his servant is paralyzed, needing healing. And Jesus responds because he says, I will come and heal him. To which the, the centurion basically says, you know, it just dawned on me that I understand authority. I'm a man who understands authority and I have servants under me and I say to this one, go or come or do this and it is so. So, Lord, just speak the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And of course, Jesus speaks the word and the servant is healed. I, I look at this example and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is the first phrase that is important for us to hear. And that is, God will say it. God will say it. Would you say that after me? God will say it. Oh, that God would just speak a word. That He would just say a word to us. And isn't it interesting that 
when Jesus says it, the centurion receives it. And he doesn't even require the Lord to come to his house from that point on. Oh, that we would just hear God's word and we would just receive it. Why is it sometimes that we want to question God's word? God will say something to us like, stop right now and, and share your faith with your neighbor. And we'll say, but, but Lord, I, right now, is that what you're really saying to me? I have an appointment. But God, I, I don't have the time right now. Or God will say something to us like, give $20 to that waitress and we'll say, but God, come on, look at her. I mean, does she really look like she needs $20? Is that what you're really saying to me? Or God will speak something like, why don't you pray with someone right now, this person, stop and pray with that person for their family. And our response is like Simon Peter when Jesus says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Lord, do you really want me to pray for this man's family? Does this man even have a family? We're always coming up with excuses when God will say it rather than what happens in this story when the centurion just says, Lord, I'm a man under authority. Just speak the Word and my servant will be healed. The centurion didn't need anything other than a Word from God. The Word from God was enough. I don't know about you, but God's Word has to be enough. Because here's the thing the, under, the centurion understood. That God gives you what He says, not what you see. God's going to give you what He says, not what you see. That's why the name it and claim it extremism doesn't work. Because you can lay your hand on a new car and claim it all you want to. But God's not going to give you what you see. He gives you what He says. You can, you can look at a job and it may look like a great job and you can say, you know what, I'm going to claim that job. That, that would be a great promotion for you. But here's the, the problem. The problem is God doesn't give you what you see. He gives you what He says. So, what is God saying to you? What is God speaking to you? What is He declaring to you? God will say it. In fact, I like to say it this way, the revelation of a thing always comes before the manifestation of a thing. God will speak it, and then you will see it. Divine revelation comes before divine manifestation. God's going to speak it into existence first. Then the manifestation will come. God's work, word will precede God's work. God's word will precede God's action. 
God's revelation will precede God's manifestation. It's, it's interesting, in Greek the word manifestation or, or revelation is the word apocalypsis. So when we read our English Bible and we read the word revelation, the Greek word that translates to the English word is apocalypsis, which is connected to the word apocalyptic. Have you ever thought about the notion that God's revelation is apocalyptic? It literally changes the trajectory of the journey that we are on. It's like God rolls back this curtain and He unveils an apocalyptic look of His divine revelation that affects our day and time with His plans and His purposes. God will say it. And then, here's the second phrase, God will display it. Divine revelation precedes divine manifestation. Read through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament and watch all the times that God will say it and then display it. He'll say something like, and let there be light. And then He'll display it. And it was so. God will say it. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and upon, and, and we will see his name. The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting God, the Mighty Father, the Prince of Peace. And then he will display it. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem those who were under the law. God will say it. Behold, I give you the promise of the Father. Go to Jerusalem and tarry until you're endued with power from on high. And then He will display it. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. God will say it. Your servant is healed, and then he will display it. The servant will be healed at that self-same hour. Because divine manifestation follows divine revelation. God will speak the Word. Just speak the Word to us, O God. Just help us to hear your word, O oh God. We just want to hear what you're saying to us because what you say to us will be what we see, what we experience, what we encounter. God, just say it and then display it. Jesus looks at the centurion, turns to the crowd, and he says, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. Do you know how important your faith is? It was the faith of the centurion that catalyzed the healing of the servant. Do you recognize, recognize how important your faith is? Your faith. Not my faith. Your faith. Not the pastor's faith. Your faith has the potential to change a problem into a solution. 
Your faith has the potential to move a mess toward a miracle. Your faith has the ability to transform what's happening in your family and in your circle of influence. Your faith, the Spirit of the Lord, has anointed you. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed you to preach the Gospel to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed you to deliver those who are oppressed. Spirit of the Lord is upon you to proclaim the good news to the captive. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to set at liberty those who are bruised. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Your faith. Lots of people are clamoring to preach from one pulpit. And that's the pulpit on the platform when they never understand that God's given every Christ follower a platform and a pulpit and a voice that these signs shall follow those who believe. Jesus said, in my name, you will act in faith. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You will cast out demons. You will be protected from those things that would harm you. You will catalyze a miracle in the midst of a mess. God will say it and then display it through you and through me. We look at one more event in Scripture, which actually happens in the next chapter, chapter 9. We see a similar principle. Chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, we see a, another paralytic. The Bible says, so Jesus got into a boat crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed when Jesus saw their faith. Don't miss it. Who has ears to hear? When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. Don't miss it. Who has ears to hear? When Jesus saw there. When Jesus saw there. There. When Jesus saw there faith, their faith, their faith. When Jesus saw their, it wasn't the faith of the paralyzed. When Jesus saw, when Jesus saw there, who has ears to hear, when Jesus saw the four guys, the four, the four friends who dropped the paralyzed man through the Roof of the house, when Jesus saw their faith, God will say it, and then He will display it when you hear it. I'm going to say the, the statement again, God will say it and then display it when you hear it. Remember our text, faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. Who has ears to hear? Jesus 
saw their faith. They had enough faith to drag this paralyzed man up on the roof of a house. They couldn't get inside. It was so full, they couldn't get in. Can you imagine sitting in the house, and all of a sudden you hear this commotion on the the top of the roof, and then mud and straw starts flying everywhere on your head. This commotion is going on, and all of a sudden you see this hole in the roof, and then it keeps getting bigger and bigger because they had to literally drop a stretcher with a man through the rooftop. So Jesus is teaching, and while he's teaching, there's utter chaos and commotion happening, mud and straw going everywhere. These four friends, and we know that there are four friends because the same event is in Luke chapter 2, and these four buddies are dropping this paralyzed man through the roof in the midst of chaos, and Jesus doesn't get angry. He doesn't get upset. He doesn't say, hey, you in that section back there, you're making too much commotion. You're too loud. Be quiet. I can't preach the Word of God. Too much commotion. Because he didn't see the mess. He saw their there. Oh, you've got to hear what he said to see what you've heard. You've got to hear what he said to see what, he's, what you've heard. It was their faith that brought about a miracle in the midst of this mess. But when we read what What it says when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Well, that's nice, Jesus, but that's really not what he's looking for. I mean, we really didn't bring him and go through all the trouble of dropping him down through the roof just so that you could say his sins are forgiven. He really needs a a healing. He needs a miracle in his physical body. I mean, that's really not what they were looking for Jesus to say. And yet Jesus sees their faith, and he looks at the man and he says, Son, be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Let me just give you a word of thanksgiving. Your sins are forgiven you. For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or arise, take up your bed, and go home? It's a, it's a rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question because Jesus is really saying, what's, what's easier here? For me to say, Your sins are forgiven, which is an inside healing, or arise, take up your bed, and go home, which is an outside healing. Pretty, pretty simple answer. It's easier to heal you on the outside. Because when I heal you on the outside, it doesn't impact your eternity. 
When I heal you on the outside, it's only speaking to your earthly existence and not your eternal existence. When I heal you on the outside, it's just about your right now and not your forever. (laughs) See, Jesus is all about healing you from the inside out and not the outside in. We, oh, somebody just heard something. Who has ears to hear? Somebody just heard something in your spirit for the first time. Somebody just heard something that is changing your trajectory in your relationship with God. God wants to heal you from the inside. Somebody just heard something that is causing you to stick your head up high and walk in faith and in victory. Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. God wants to change you from the inside out, not the outside in. It's harder to heal you from the inside, to forgive you of your sins, to put you on the road to eternity, rather than just addressing an outside situation in your life. He is wanting you to have faith to experience inner healing. That's why your spiritual Ears are more important than your spiritual eyes. Because you don't read in Scripture who has eyes to see, let him see. You read who has spiritual ears to hear, let him hear. Because if you have the right spiritual ears, you'll have the right spiritual eyes. If you have the right godly ears, you're going to have the right godly eyes. If you're hearing what God is saying, you're going to see what God is saying. We've got to hear what He says to see what we've heard. Oh, somebody's... It's your spiritual hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Jesus looks at him and says, Son... Your sins are forgiven you. For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or arise, take up your bed, and go home. Now watch, watch what happens. Let's put it up here. The religious leaders are there. The, the next verse is there. Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. The next verses. Go back. Let's go back to the, to the verse. Verses, verse 3. Verse 3. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves. Don't miss it. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves. This said within themselves. Who has ears to hear? This man said within themselves. Are are you getting a hold of it? They weren't hearing what God was saying. 
they were hearing what they were saying. And that's the challenge that we have when it comes to our relationship with God because we don't really want to hear what God is saying. We would rather put our trust in what someone else is saying or what we're saying to ourselves. So we can start saying things to ourselves. Our mind is paralyzed. Our spirit is paralyzed. Our emotions are paralyzed because we're listening to ourselves question what God is saying. And we, we start trusting in our own selves rather than trusting in the Lord. Not leaning on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledging Him to direct our paths. For to be, Romans 8, 6, carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So faith, and it was up there just a moment ago, is a spiritual muscle that has to be strengthened to redirect our carnal mind toward God's Word. If we don't do that, we start listening to ourselves. And we stop listening to God's Word. Oh, but, but you don't understand. You're, you're still paralyzed. You're still laying there in a stretcher, paralyzed. No, no, no. That's not what God said. That's not what I heard. I heard, arise, take up your bed, and go home. That's, that's what I heard. No, no, but, but you're, still, you're still in a mess. You're, you're still facing a mountain that's in front of you. You're, you're still paralyzed. No, no, that's not what I heard. What I heard is I can speak to mountains and those mountains will be removed and cast into the sea. No, no, you don't get it. You're farther away today from your promises than when you first started. No, that's not what I heard. I didn't hear that from God. I heard, I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I committed unto Him against that day. Oh, but, but you don't get it. You're in financial crisis. The end of the month is more than the money that you have in your pocket. No, 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 no. That's not what I heard. I heard, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. You've got a prodigal son. You've got a prodigal daughter. They're not saved. They're not coming home. No, 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 no. That's not what I heard. I heard train up a child in the way he or she shall go. And when he is old, he will not depart from me. That is what I've heard. Stop speaking to yourself. Who has ears to hear, 
Start hearing the Word of God in your life. God's Word is God's voice. Somebody say, I ne- says, I, ne- I never hear from God. I don't hear. Read your Bible. The whole Bible is God's voice to you. You want to hear from God in your life? Just open up the Bible and start reading. God was speaking to you as soon as you open up the Bible and start reading. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Last, last, last phrase. God will say it and then display it when you hear it and declare it. Now what happens at the end of the story? Let's go all the way to the end. Jesus speaks a word to the man and says, Arise, take up your bed, and go home. What happens? The Scripture says, And he arose and departed to his house. He arose and departed to his house. I, I believe in declarations. I, I believe in declarations, don't you? But don't miss it. What are you hearing? Who has ears to hear? The man did not make a declaration by words, with words. He made a declaration in his deed. His declaration was not verbal. It was nonverbal. His declaration was not by saying something. It was by doing something. And he departed and went to his own house. And I know sometimes when we talk about declarations, we want to we emphasize the verbal part. I believe in making declarations. And, and I know how important that is. From the time my kids were in the womb, I was making declarations over their lives. I was praying prayers like, God, in the name of Jesus, cover them with your blood. Let your guardian angels encamp around about them. Holy Spirit, rise up within them. Help them to be strong in their adversity and humble in their successes. Help us to to walk in divine health and healing. Put them on a trajectory to fulfill your purpose and destiny in their lives. Help us to be a godly family that makes a worldwide difference. I was, I was declaring, making declarations over their lives. And declarations do impact your life. The Bible talks about the power of life and death, right? In the words that you speak. So dad comes home from work and he's frustrated, so he yells at mom. Mom yells at the older son. The older son yells at the younger daughter. The younger daughter kicks the dog. The dog bites the cat. The cat scratches the baby. The baby bites the head off the Barbie doll. Would have been easier for dad just to come home and bite the head off the Barbie doll. Forget all the the stuff in the middle. 
But our words do make a difference. Our declarations do make a difference. Why do you think the children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years? Now, I know we can spiritualize it. And we can say things like, well, they wandered around because they had a slave's mentality. Or God had to prepare them for the promised land. He had to prepare them for their destiny. Why did they wander around for 40 years when it was just an 11-day journey? Well, we spiritualize it. But here's the bottom line. They wandered for 40 years because they were complainers. That's it. There's some truth into the slave mentality and all that. But the bottom line is they wandered around for 40 years because they were complainers. They declared a prison cell for their future through their words. But here's what I want to connect with you on as we, we bring this to a close. And that is what is... Important is not just your declarations with words, but your declarations in works. Faith without works is dead. You can say it, but if you don't display it, all you have is dead faith and dead works. Now think about that, because James chapter 2 declares, talking about Abraham, but wilt thou know, O vain person, O foolish person, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Do you not see how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect or complete. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made complete? Our faith is made complete when we choose to get up and depart and go to our home having received the Word of God, not just in declaration, but in deed. I don't have time to, to discuss the implications of the moral incertitude of God when He looked at Abraham and said, I want you to take your only son and sacrifice him on an altar. And we can, we can discuss the moral incertitude of God. Why would God ask for Abraham to offer his own son of promise, his only son, the one that he had already made a, a covenant with and said, out of that son, out of your seed will come many nations. And then he turns right around and he actually asks Abraham to sacrifice his son on the altar. I mean... We can talk about God's moral incertitude, but the bottom line is many of us know what happens. He, God does not allow him to sacrifice his own son because when he raises the knife in the air, 
he hears something. Who has ears to hear? He hears something. Something rattling around in the bushes. A ram caught in the thicket. He hears something and that something becomes the answer to Abraham's faith worked out in his deeds. And he takes the ram and he offers the ram on the sacrifice and he makes a declaration that this place will be called Jehovah Jireh. God is provider. But it was made complete not just in his verbal declaration but in his actions. What are you hearing? What is God speaking to you? Are you hearing something? Is His Word enough in your life? Because I can, maybe I just need to preach the Gospel a little bit right here because God's Word is not a thing. The Word is not a thing. It's a person. So when you're trying to find the way, when you find the way, you don't find a thing. You find a person. When you're seeking the truth, you don't find a thing. You find a person. When you're pursuing life, you don't find a thing. You find a person. When you're hearing the Word, you're not hearing a thing. You're hearing a person. The angel Gabriel showed up, prophesied to the Virgin Mary that she would give birth to the Word that would become flesh and dwell among us. And we would behold the glory of the only begotten of the Father. The Word is what turned the water into wine at the wedding of Cana. The Word is what fed 5,000 men plus women and children. The Word is what put mud on a blind man's eyes and he was healed. The Word is what raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. The Word is what bled and died on a cross. The Word is what raised from the dead on the third day. And the Word is what will return in a twinkling of an eye when the trumpet of God shall sound and we will experience His fullness and His glory. It's the Word The Old Testament, they said, I don't know what to call you. God said, here's what you call me. Just call me, I am that I am. That's my blank check title. Whatever you need at the moment, 
That's what you write on the blank check. If you need a way maker, I will make a way when there seems to be no way. If you need a miracle worker, I will speak your miracle into existence in the midst of your mess. You need a promise keeper, my promises are yea and amen. You need a light in the midst of the darkness, I will speak in the midst of the darkness and obliterate the darkness in your life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just like to sign the blank check that way. He is Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. He becomes the Word in our lives. And I, I don't know what you need this morning. What is He speaking to you? Who has ears to hear? He can speak to you when you're stopped at a red light. He can speak to you in your shower. He can speak to you in a boardroom, in a hospital room, in a courtroom, bedroom, in a crack room. Pastor was telling me just a couple of weeks ago about one of his men members, Pastor Josh, who was in a crack house. High as a kite. And God said to this woman, choose you this day, life or death. She was high as a kite. She grabbed her phone and she called her dad and her dad came and picked her up and took her to church that night and she gave her heart to Jesus while she was high as a kite. And she's been high as a kite ever since. Following Jesus. Committed to Jesus because the Lord can speak to you in a crack house. At any time, God will say it and then display it if you will hear it and declare it. Who has ears to hear? What is God speaking to you right now? Because here's the thing, for some of us, there's a barrier there, and we're paralyzed. Maybe not in body necessarily, but in our minds, in our spirits, and we, we can't seem to, to break through. But here's the good news. There's a room full of people here who have faith for you. They're willing to break open the sky, break open the hole in the and the roof, so you can encounter what it means for God to heal you 
from the inside out can do such a miracle in your life that from this point on you won't be high on anything else but Jesus. Because they have that kind of faith for you in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of a barrier where you just, you just know that there's something between you and God and He's speaking to your heart right now and He's speaking to you and saying, choose you this day, life or death. And you know it's time to make that decision to experience not a thing, but a person who is the Word of God come to us to behold His glory. So I want to ask you right now, just to bow your heads with me all across the auditorium. Who has ears to hear? If that's you this morning, and you know, I think there's more people here this morning than we recognize who really needs to make a decision, whether it is for the first time or whether you need to rededicate your life to God because for some reason the roof is closed and you're missing that relationship with Christ and today is your day to experience not a thing but a person. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand as an expression of your response to God, not just verbally, but indeed by declaring with your uplifted hand that my heart and my hand, my faith and my works walk hand in hand today, that I'm making a decision to follow Jesus, not just verbally, but every day of my life, walking it out. If that's you, one, two, this is your moment. Don't hesitate. Don't allow any barriers from between you and God to stand. One, two, three. Let me see your hand right now. Thank you. Just keep it up for just a few moments. Thank you back there. Thank you over here. Others here this morning that are declaring, I'm hearing something from the Lord today and I'm choosing life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for those hands. You can put those hands down this morning. Right now, would you just join me all across this place? Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, would you say it after me, everyone? Lord Jesus, we come to You now. We reach out to You. Forgive me of my sin. I choose life. I will follow You all the days of my life. I will hear Your voice and I will live with Your presence. In Jesus' name.